Uh, when it comes to what you just saw in the video, some questions are better left unasked because they are unanswerable. Um, <laughs> this weekend, we hosted around 50 students across six host homes with seven leaders and many, many volunteers and prayer warriors uh, that got us through the weekend. So we, uh, over a span of 40 hours, we ate several meals together, had three worship sessions, three small group sessions in our uh, grade and gender groups. We had a glow-in-the-dark dodgeball tournament, which was won by the Temptation Dodgers, yes, um, who took home the golden toilet seat this year. Uh, we played bingo with the over-60s ministry. We played bunko with the women's ministry, and we just finished a fantastic breakfast with the men's ministry and heard from Rick Gwynn about uh, the ministry that he leads making crosses for people. Uh, we spent quality time with one another to build our relationships with one another and also with God. Uh, we truly had a fantastic weekend, and again, we're thankful uh, for all of the people who helped out, whether you were a host home, uh, a leader, uh, you gave money, you helped prepare food, you helped serve food. Um, uh, shout out to JT and Kendall who handled all of the tech stuff. If you saw the stage last night compared to what you're seeing right now, I don't know how much work they put in. It was a lot. So we're very thankful for them. Uh, we're also thankful for Dan Lauer and Chase Remini who ref the dodgeball tournament so that the kids can hate them and not me. Um, we're always thankful for that. Uh, we were led in worship by the Casey Eskew Band. She is the associate worship leader at First Baptist Woodway, and she brought a fantastic uh, band to play with her. They did a great job of leading us in worship. Uh, we truly felt like we had a real encounter with God on several instances when we were truly able to worship and praise before Him. Uh, they also did a good job of, hey, let's celebrate the weekend. Let's celebrate what God has done for us. We were able to really have that intimate time of worship and also that fun time of celebration of what God has done for us. So we're going to hear now uh, from some students. So if you're leaders, students, if your leaders talk to you, come on up, and uh, they're going to tell us a little bit about their weekend. Give them a round of applause as they're on their way up. All right, well, here, tell us your... <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Tell us your sure. Tell us your name, your grade, the host home you were in, and who your leader was. What was your favorite part of the weekend? My favorite part of the weekend was getting a little closer to God because I've always wanted to get closer to God, and this weekend has brought me closer, and I learned a lot. Um, my host home was a uh, um, Kazuki, and Hannah was my leader. All right. Tell us something that you learned this weekend. I learned how to build a stronger community and be closer to others. Learn how to build a stronger community and grow closer to others. Good job. Thank you. My leader was Ella, and we were in Kim and Tim's home. Tell us about uh, Kim and Tim. How were they? They were awesome. They let us jump in the pool. I almost drowned last night. <laughs> um, the, the, don't worry. My mom did sign the release form. I'm, I'm still here, so it's okay. <laughs> um, we literally were, if you couldn't tell from the video, we were all frantically trying to get into the hot tub because it was really cold. And I'm very grateful for Kim for letting us do that because it was awesome. And then we had to get out because it started to rain because 
we didn't want to get struck by lightning and like die, so. <laughs> That's, lightning is not covered in the room. My host home was Carrie Costa and my leader was Caitlin. And how was Caitlin? Amazing. She was the light in the room that you need and she's someone that we know we can talk to whenever. She was just amazing. She's and my leaders were Kirk and Nathan. Which picture? Um, the the pop darts. Um, Nathan um, is very bad at pop darts, and um, I won. And, and he won. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you also see some middle school guys with marks on their foreheads, because they were sticking those darts on their forehead. Um, My host home was the Hones, and then leader was Tyler. Uh, what was your favorite part of the weekend? Hanging out with all the guys. Hanging out with all the guys. Anything else? Having a good time. Having a good time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I had the Landrums and boy Brian right there was our leader. All right. Tell us about your boy Brian. Uh, he has terrible taste in cookies. <laughs> hey, expand. And he's a great dancer. I <laughs> <laughs> tried to give Brian glue. What, what, uh, what type of cookies does macadamia he Macadamia nut. Ew. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, that may have disqualified you from... Uh, okay. All right. And he has, he's a good dancer? Yes. All right. Good deal. Um, we also... I went to their house last night, and we were playing a game, and uh, David looks at his card and goes, can I get Robert out with this? And Brian goes, yeah. He goes, sweet. Puts down the card, and I was out on my very first turn. So. You got there like five minutes before that. Can uh, Brian dance for us? No. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the land, is it Landrum, the Landrum household. Um, I really loved their back porch. I slept outside both nights, and I thought I was going to flip. Last night, there was like 30-mile-an-hour winds. <laughs> what? I don't even know what question to ask from that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you would like to tell us, Gage? Anything you learned? Any, somebody uh, you're closer to now? Well, I'd probably have to say my entire group. Really, all these kids. I came in here knowing most of them, but there's some that I didn't know. But now I'm probably closer to them than I was before. And then uh, this is the second time I've gone to a youth camp with Adam. And each time he just has such good sermons and... I hope to see him again. I don't know if he's here. Is he? He's not here today. Oh, no. well. Hello, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will explain this here in a second. Adam is in the country. He likes to travel a lot. Um, so she asked if Adam was in the country. But anything else you would like to say? Oh, yeah. In the light and dark communities, I thought was really fun to learn about. Uh, how we keep our light communities really close to us. They're our good friends, the people we have the same beliefs in. And dark communities, even though they might not be the same beliefs, we still love them no matter what. All right, good deal. Thank you, Gage. All right, that was actually an excellent segue. So our speaker this weekend was a friend of mine named Adam Kovach. I got to know Adam while I was at Truett. We had several classes together. Uh, he slept on my couch during uh, Snowmageddon a couple of years ago. Uh, he apparently, there was not a ringing endorsement for my couch. He said that he didn't recommend my couch. And I was like, you had a couch with electricity and free food. Now why are you bashing my couch? But 
Anyways, Adam is the worship, not sorry, not worship, admissions pastor at a church in Tyler. And so whenever I felt like we were supposed to talk about community this weekend, Adam was the first person that came to mind to be our speaker because he's a very communal person. Community is his bread and butter. That's what he loves to do. That's why he got into missions as he loves traveling to share the gospel. He also loves traveling just to see the world. And he doesn't take anything as just a vacation or I'm just going to a coffee shop. He wants to build community with anybody that he encounters. So he talked about three different types of community over the course of the weekend. He talked about light community, dark community, and then our community with God. So light community is essentially our primary community of believers that we can trust and confide in. So as the church, we are each other's community. So we need these types of people in our life to do life together because as we see in scripture, we have verses like iron sharpens iron. We have examples and acts of the early church, how they were constantly doing life together. They were making ample sacrifices with one another. They were taking care of each other all for the sake of the gospel and for the kingdom of God. And we also see and pretty much any of Paul's letters of how he is pushing the church as a community of take care of one another, bear each other's burdens, pray for one another. We're always praying for you. I hope you're praying for each other just as much as what Paul says basically at the beginning of every letter. So whenever we think community here at First Baptist West, this can come in a variety of of areas, and is why we have things like D-Now. It's why we have things like life groups, have things Wednesday night Bible study, ladies Bible study, men's breakfast, over 60 lunch, youth camp, children's camp, Sunday Bible study, the list could go on. That's why we have all those things. It's not just programming. You can get programming anywhere, but we hope that we're building community with one another that we have those people here in our church, in our local church, that we can say, hey, genuinely tell me, how are you doing? What can I help with? What, what, what's going on? How, how are you, genuinely, how are you doing? How's your family? So on and so forth. So on Wednesday, it actually worked really well Uh, Because on Wednesday nights leading up to this in the youth ministry and also in Sunday Bible study, we have been talking about community in different forms. And so this week, I gave all of our students three separate quizzes. And the first quiz, they had five questions and they took it on their own. And they had a pretty decent amount of time to do it. And so we had about 40 kids in there and then we went through all the answer choices and we went through all the correct answers, and then by the end of it, out of 40, only seven had gotten all of the answers correct. So then we move on to the next quiz, and they're able to do it in groups of about seven or eight people. And so it's another group of five questions, and then we get finished, and about 24 people had all of the right answers. So then we go to the last quiz, and they only had about a minute as the whole group to try and work together to get the right answers. And not very many got it at all. 
So the first one was obviously showing of how doing life on our own is hard and it's going to be difficult to make it in some aspects. The second was showing that whenever we have our groups, our community, like our life groups here, that we're able to help each other, carry one another, and help each other get through life. Then the last one was kind of like if we only come to worship on Sunday mornings. So if our community and our church is only during before the worship service, after the worship service, and during the one minute, let's turn around and greet one another, well then I may hear something about your week. I may hear how uh, your kid's basketball game went. I may hear that work is busy. All right, man, it's good talking to you. We need to go sing. And that, that, that's great to have those small interactions, but we need to go much deeper. If our community is only what we have before and after worship, then, then we're lacking something. We're not going to make it very far. I haven't gotten to really know you during that time. It's very surface level. So this light community, this is the group that we worship with. This is the group that we hold one another accountable and give God our very best with, that we pursue excellence in all that we're doing. This is the group that we have a community impact with, that we can go out and say, we are the church, how can we help? We want to help you, we want to love you. This is the group that we can have fun with, build one another up and actively do life with. And lastly, this is the group that we strive to keep healthy so that the local church can thrive and God's love and hope is shared with others. God is the light, so we need light community. We need to be immersed in the light of God, and we need to be immersed in this light community so that we can be present in the dark community. And the dark community is people that are around us that don't know the gospel and don't yet have the hope of God. So I thought Adam did a great job of conveying to our students that these people in this dark community are by no means our enemies, but actually quite the opposite. They're not even people that we need to keep at an arm's length, but rather we need to make feel seen and love, and thus they are able to see the presence of God and the love of God through us. So we're actively still being friends with these people. They may not be our closest tight-knit community, but maybe they will be eventually. How are they going to be if we don't show that love? Because there's this idea of what I've heard called spiritual gluttony, of that sometimes we can surround ourselves with believers, which is great. We need that like community, absolutely. But if we're only surrounded by believers, our circles are only believers, and we're not actively going out into other circles, well, then we're just taking all that in, and we're not spreading God's love with anybody else. We're spreading it within ourselves. 
God tells us that we are the salt and light of the earth. He doesn't say you might be the salt and light of the earth. He doesn't say if you do this, you're the salt and light of the earth. No, he's saying, I live in you. I am with you, so you are the salt and light of the earth. But if you have a salt shaker and a bland piece of chicken, and you keep all the salt in the salt shaker, that salt's not doing anything. If you, like Jesus says, if you put a lamp under a bowl, it's not doing anything. The salt is there to season the food. The light is there to provide light in the darkness. In John 13, 34, it says that Jesus, or Jesus is saying that he's giving a new commandment to love one another and that they will know we are Christians by our love. And the new commandment thing always kind of threw me of we see all the way back in Leviticus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's all the way back in Leviticus, so how is this a new commandment that's been around for thousands of years? Well, Jesus is saying, now you see how I love as a person here on earth. I'm living in you, so go about this radical form of love. Eat with the tax collectors and prostitutes. Show love to the people, to the downtrodden. Make people feel known and loved and seen. I had a friend in seminary who told a story whenever he was interning a college ministry at another church that they were going through a list of people who had been visitors. They weren't sure whether or not they were Christians or not, and they weren't sure like who their community was. And so they were going through their list, trying to see like who their friend group was, how, could they, how they could help them get them plugged in. And so they get to a person, and everybody goes, yeah, I don't think that person really has a community. They don't really have friends that I can think of. And a person said, well, it's not really our fault. That person is really awkward. And their college pastor looked at him and said, I understand what you're saying. I do. I get it. It can be hard. But if they're not going to get it here, then where? If we're not going to show them love and community here as the church, as God's people, then where are they going to get it? They may be shown what they perceive to be love in places that are very detrimental to them. So let's show them love here where they can experience the love of God and eternal salvation. So last night, I gave a challenge to our students to think of one thing this week, to think of one thing in one person that they can do for somebody that may not be in their immediate circle in their immediate light community, to go and make them feel loved, to feel seen, to feel God's presence. Maybe that's eating with somebody different at lunch. Maybe that is striking up a conversation with the person at Starbucks or Bushes or Check Stop, that we can stop and make them feel like a person and not just the person giving us our coffee. Small things like that can really leave a lasting impression on somebody. And you never know 
where those relationships can go. And lastly, that brings us to our community with God. So this is where it all stems from. It all stems from our community with God. We talk about our vertical relationships and our horizontal relationships. So your vertical relationship is your relationship with God and your horizontal relationships are our relationships with one another. And so we can't have horizontal relationships that are glorifying to God and sharing his hope and love if we don't first have a good vertical relationship with him. Like Adam talked about over the weekend, he said, if I have never touched a basketball and then I go and try to teach you how to play basketball, it's not going to go very well. I need to have played basketball before to teach you how to play basketball. We can't share the love of God. We cannot share what he's done in our lives if we don't have that relationship with him. If we're not taking time to build that relationship with him, it's much, much harder, if not impossible, to have that kind of impact on other people. So think of our candlelight service on Christmas Eve. We have our Christ candle right here, and then that is representing of Christ, and the light starts there, and then it spreads throughout the room. But if we don't have that initial light source, then the light can't spread. There has to be something there that gives us that light, that gives us that hope, that love, that joy, that peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that people can see in us, and we have to have that vertical relationship for it to be seen. If the light isn't present in what is supposed to be our light community, it doesn't matter how much we call it as such, it won't be as such. There has to be that presence with God in our light community for it to be truly light community instead of a Christian club. And it's the same way if we don't have that community with God, then we're not going to spread the light. We're not going to season, be salt and light of the earth in our dark communities. There's a preacher by the name of Shane Pruitt who has a quote that says, we cannot talk to people about God until we talk to God about people. We cannot be going and sharing the gospel of what God has done for us with people if we haven't first talked to God about them, if we haven't prayed for them and asked God, work in us so that we can show love in all places. So this is what the whole church is about, the global church and the local church, because what I tell our students a lot, the church is not something that you go to is something you are a part of. It's not just the building. It's not a worship service. The church is something that we are a part of. And that's what we've seen in the last five weeks as we've been covering the book of 1 Thessalonians, is we see Paul talking very practical things of, hey, this person's coming to you. I trust them. They've really helped me, and I know they're going to help you. Hey, make sure that you are working diligently, that you are allowing people to see God in you, that you aren't causing problems because that is going to be a detriment to how people see you as a Christian. 
And remember, rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will that God has for you through Christ Jesus. That's how we stay focused on God, is we rejoice, we pray, and we give thanks. So that's all throughout Scripture, to have this light community, go out in the dark community, and as always have that vertical relationship with God. So I heard a story not too long ago of a pastor at a church in Hawaii. And there was, I don't remember what the situation was, uh, but he wasn't able to eat until three in the morning. He had been taking care of somebody, seeing somebody, I can't remember. But so he's starving, he's driving home, and so he finds a 24-hour diner that's basically like a greasy spoon-type diner. And so he stops there, and he goes in, he talks to the people a little bit, but he's really tired, and he's just ready to eat his breakfast, go home, and go to bed. And then shortly after that, a large group of prostitutes walk in to the restaurant, about 15, 20 or so of them. You say at first he's very, a little bit confused, a little bit overwhelmed, but then he starts hearing their conversations, and he's very intrigued by it. And he says that he just basically stopped eating, that he finished eating, and he just continued to be immersed in this group of people that he isn't used to being around. And so he listens to the conversations and he hears one of them say, oh yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. And then one of them goes, why should we care that it's your birthday? Look at us. None of us have ever gotten a birthday. I haven't gotten a birthday. You haven't gotten a birthday. Why is this age that you're turning now going to be any different? Why should it be any different? And the lady just goes, well, I didn't really think a lot about it. I just realized that it was my birthday. So the pastor stayed at the restaurant and waited for all of them to leave. And then he talked to the cook and he said, how often are they in here? And he goes, oh, they're in here basically every night. And he goes, well, guess what? Tomorrow night we're having a birthday party. And the cook thought it was a great idea. The pastor was going to bring cake and dessert and all kinds of stuff. And the cook said, oh, no, 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 we'll, we'll take care of it. So the pastor shows back up at the same restaurant at about 3 a.m. the next morning, waits for him to come in. The whole restaurant is decorated. They have a big cake for it and all this stuff, and they threw her a birthday party. Apparently the woman was absolutely speechless. She never had a birthday party. And that started to turn the other people that were at one point giving her a hard time for simply stating that it was her birthday— they started to see how they could love somebody, how they could share that joy with somebody. So then the cook asked the pastor, he said, I I never asked, what is it that you do? And he goes, I'm the pastor at a church. And the cook goes, no, you're not. He goes, no, 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 I, I am. And he goes, no, no, no church comes to a restaurant at 3 a.m., to throw a birthday for prostitutes. He goes, because I would be a part of that church. And he goes, well, let me tell you, I'm part of the church, and we just threw a birthday party at 3 a.m. for a prostitute. Come on. And that person's been a part of his church ever since. It's those small things 
that can have a drastic impact on people, that we can take small moments to go out of our way for people, to show love, to show joy, that we can have an impact in our dark community, that we can use the light community that builds us up to go out and we can share the love and hope that we have from our community with God. I pray that over all of us today, and I truly hope that all of our students and everybody here has community that they can lean on and rely on.